Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 15 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White, uh, founder and principal consultant of Clarity. And today's guest is Rajit Kamal. Rajit is the worldwide president, sports medicine and shoulder reconstruction for Johnson & Johnson. And um, this part of the business, the sports medicine and shoulder reconstruction business at Johnson & Johnson, that's part of uh, Depew Synthes, 
Um, he's also a member of the Global Diffuse Synthes Leadership Team, the management board for it, which is a $9 billion global orthopedic business. Wow. Uh, I can't wait to ask more about this because I'm, I'm really interested in this, uh, in this industry. Uh, but in this role, Rajit has end-to-end -end responsibility for the $1 billion diversified sports and shoulder reconstruction business. Rajit has been with Johnson & Johnson since 2008 and has worked in a variety of commercial roles. He has diversified experience and has worked across multiple businesses, regions, and functions. Rajit is known for his people and leadership skills, strategic thinking, commercial acumen, and collaboration skills. Rajit started his career with Procter & Gamble in manufacturing, supply chain, and demand planning. He has worked as a consultant at the Boston Consulting Group and InnoSight. Before joining Johnson & Johnson, he holds a, a BS in Chemical Engineering with distinction from Indian Institute of Technology, an MS in Chemical Engineering from Georgia Institute of Technology, an MBA from Harvard Business School, and an MS in Technology Management from Columbia University. Welcome, Rajit, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jono. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation because I have to be honest, I uh, the area that you work in is an area that I don't really know much about. So, and, it, and I'm guessing it'll probably be the same for a lot of listeners. So I, I'm really going to be leaning in and, and um, I, I know that the conversation we have about leadership, particularly with the context you're leading in at the moment, I'm going to find very fascinating. Uh, but just for, for context, I unpacked a little bit there in the bio, but tell us about the role you're in at the moment. Uh, with Depuce and Thies as part of Johnson and Johnson, and um, and yeah, your role, what your team looks like, uh, what your uh, what your locations look like in terms of it, like the global presence. Yeah, tell us a bit about the context you're leading in right now, Rajit. Absolutely, Jono. So I lead our sports medicine and shoulder reconstruction business. So think about it this way: you know, a lot of people play sports. If you're playing soccer, say for example, you might break your ACL. Uh, or you might tear one of the ligaments. We provide products uh, that repair those, uh, that restore those ligaments. So we provide products that does that. You might have pain in the knee because you have osteoarthritis. We have products that helps you manage the pain. Uh, we also have products to replace shoulder. You know, as, as we all get older, uh, we have osteoarthritis in our shoulder joint. Uh, a time comes when you are not able to raise your hand and we provide products to replace the shoulder joint. So, uh, you know, we say that we are in the business of keeping people moving. Uh, and, you know, my focus area is shoulder reconstruction and sports medicine. But as Depucinthes, which is uh, part of Johnson & Johnson, we provide products across orthopedics. So hip replacement, knee replacement, trauma, if you break your bones, we have products to fix that, you know, spine. Uh, so we provide all sorts of products uh, to be able to take care of any orthopedic or we, we call it musculoskeletal uh, issues that, that uh, patients might have. Um, I really enjoy that because I have seen the benefits our products make to lives of people around the world. You know, the joy of seeing somebody getting back to activity they love. You know, my own mother, um, she passed away a couple of months back, but she had uh, both her knees replaced and at that time i was actually working in our knee replacement business uh, and i have seen the difference it made to her life you know she was she she got her mobility back she was mm. able to move around uh, and that makes a big difference so i enjoy this business because of the difference we can make to lives of people around the world you know in terms of my team uh, look you know i uh, i am responsible for end-to-end -end business uh, for our sports medicine and shoulder re reconstruction. I work with colleagues around the world. Uh, I work with our cross-functional colleagues, uh, you know, with the goal to make sure we are bringing the best products to our patients. Uh, and we are working with our teams uh, to be able to deliver that, get access to hospitals, get, get access to surgeons, um, and, and drive those products, ultimately touching patients' lives around the world. Yeah, incredible. Uh and uh, I'm sorry to hear about your your mother passing away in the in the past couple of months. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing that beautiful story. I think um, that's that might, that's a very special uh, special opportunity you've had to see the product that you're part of and and actually firsthand making a difference in in your mother's life through uh, through knee reconstructions. That must have been a very powerful. Uh, 
I can't think of anything more powerful, actually, in terms of really seeing the purpose of what you're doing come to life. <laughs> um, so no, I appreciate you sharing. Oh, that absolutely. No, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the satisfaction you get and, uh, you know, in, in my role, whenever I hear patient stories and, you know, uh, everybody has a family or a friend, you know, sometimes when we do town halls, we ask people, raise your hand if you know somebody in your family who has had an orthopedic procedure and invariably a lot of people raise their hands, right? So, That's right. Uh, I think that is what drives us. That is what is, you know, keeps us going every day. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, seeing my own mother benefit from that has been truly satisfying. Yeah, wonderful, Rajit. Uh, well, I'm I'm really interested to hear about your story of, uh, and I love the I love reading out your bio because there's you have uh, you have such a, such a varied and um, and diverse uh, path. I can just hear from the places you've studied and from the different areas you've worked. Uh, so feel free to share as much as you'd like. Uh, I really love, and I know listeners love hearing the stories. Uh, of leaders like yourself who are doing, you know, incredible things in, in a role like you're in. So tell us the story of Rajit. Yeah, absolutely, Jono. So look, <laughs> I, I grew up in India. I, I grew up in a in a small town in India, you know, not one of the big cities. And, uh, you know, at the age of eight, when I was in grade three, I actually went to a boarding school. I went to a boarding school because the place where I was growing up um, at that time did not have very good schools and my parents really wanted me to get a good education, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, mm. At such a young age, you know, staying away from your parents, my boarding school was like 24 hour train journey from where my parents lived. And in those days, there were no emails, you know, there were no cell phones, right? So you were literally yeah. just separated and away from your parents. So that was harder in the beginning, but uh, uh, I, looking back, I really appreciate uh, because that set the foundation for me, Jono. You know, uh, India, uh, you know, if, if you know about India, is a very diverse country. You know, we have mm. mix of cultures, we have mix of languages, mix of customs, and that was truly represented in the boarding school I was in. Uh, and I grew up uh, with people who were different than me. Uh, and I learned about, you know, finding common ground. I learned about working with people, collaboration. Uh, I learned that, you know, in you know, you have to work with others. Uh, you can't do things alone. And at boarding school, we leaned on each other. Mm. Uh, I learned the importance of building healthy, uh, productive relationships. Uh, I also learned the importance of being independent. Uh, learned the importance of making sure that, you know, you are able to make a decision and move forward. So I thought the boarding school set the right foundation for me. Uh, and mm. I'm very grateful for that experience. Um, after that, I went to engineering school uh, and uh, again, had a terrific experience. Uh, you know, Indian Institute of Technology, um, very fine institutions, uh, very the academic rigor is very high, uh, yes. but again, you know, I think it set the good foundation in terms of analytical skills. Um, and while I was studying there, I was fascinated uh, by the research uh, that happens in graduate schools in the United States. Um, mm. And at that time, you know, I wanted to be a professor. Uh, so I actually, uh, after my undergraduate, I applied in a PhD program and came to Georgia Tech, actually in a PhD program in chemical engineering. Uh, and uh, you know, while I was doing my research, I was actually doing a research with a company in Atlanta where Georgia Tech is based. And while working at that company, that was my first exposure to an, to, uh, to an industry, to how people work in, in industry. And I got fascinated by that. And I went back to my advisor and said, why don't I work in industry for a couple of years and then make a call whether I want to be in academia or I want to be in industry. And he said, fine, get your master's go and work and then if you want to come back you can always come back and um, that's how i joined procter and gamble uh, and uh, you know png was a great experience i actually worked in a very small town in south uh, georgia uh, which is about three hours south of atlanta it's mm. a very blue collar town uh, we had manufacturing plants different companies have manufacturing plants uh, and i was the only indian in that town uh, you know you couldn't be that different than uh, than the population and uh, i was wow. actually managing people on the factory floor uh, and you know these were the people who uh, had high school education uh, obviously grew up in in that town in in georgia uh, spoke with a very different accent you know i obviously had an indian accent i was for some of them i was their kids age uh, you know on the surface nothing could have been different uh, <laughs> and that taught me important lessons in leadership uh, because uh, 
you know, three months in, uh, I, I, I still remember today, I walked into the control room. We used to have this machine and the machine was down. We had a quality issue and I walked in, uh, you know, I used to come in the morning for my, you know, as a manager, I used to come in in the morning and people had work, were working night shifts. Uh, and I asked one of the operators, you know, what happened? And they, they were explaining to me and I said, you know, this happened last week as well. And, you know, uh, why did we repeat the mistake? And uh, I remember she just snapped and said, you are the worst manager I have ever worked with. I just don't know why people hire people like you. Uh, and just walked out of the control room. She said that in front of like 10 people. And I was wow. like, what did I do? I was doing my job. Um, so I went to my manager and I said, hey, you know, this, I think this is an unacceptable behavior. And he sat me down and he said, how much effort have you made to get to know these people? Have you ever worked night shifts? Have you ever walked on the factory floor? And, you know, if, and we used to make paper and paper, you know, if you walk on a paper machine, uh, you will be like, get dirty, right? And he said, mm. I see you come to your control room. I see you ask questions, but I've never seen you make an effort to get to know who they are. I've mm. never seen an effort for you to, for them to get to know you, right? Leadership is not positional authority. If you mm. just think just because you are the manager and they listen to you and follow you, uh, that is not how it works, right? You have to build credibility. You have to build trust. You have to get to know them. And yes. you have to make that effort, right? And he said, I want you to spend, you know, and he said, look, I'm going to give you another six months. And look, you are a, you know, you are a smart engineer. Maybe you are not suited for being a leader. And that is fine. Everybody has a different role. But he said, I'm going to give you six months. Um, I'll give you a chance. You turn this around, you continue in this role. If not, I will find you another role. Your job is not at risk, but I just want to make sure that, you know, we find you the right fit. Uh, mm. And that was a wake-up call, John. It was a wake-up call for me. Uh, and I did turn things around in six months. I worked night shifts. Uh, I spent time getting to know them. Uh, I, I was very vulnerable. I was very open. I shared who I was. Um, and what you realize is that on the surface, we couldn't be any different. We looked different. We spoke differently. We had different cultures, different background. Nothing was similar, right? Mm. Um, but we found things in common. You know, end of the day, we care about family. You know, end of the day, we care about, uh, you know, things that are basic human, right? And, 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 and I found that once they saw me uh, doing the things they were doing, once they saw me that I genuinely care about, you know, their well-being, I genuinely care about what they do. And I shared about my family, you know, my, you know, we all have hopes, aspirations that are not that different. You know, everybody mm. wants to uh, be happy. Everybody wants to, you know, uh, and, and and you find those things in common. Uh, and the relationships that I built uh, exist still today, you know, thanks to Facebook, I'm connected with a lot of them. But mm -hmm. That experience taught me a very important lesson. And that lesson is get to know people. And mm. let them get to know you, right? Yeah. Don't rely on positional authority. You've got to build that relationships, right? So, and then, you know, while at Procter & Gamble, you know, I got very uh, uh, exposed to marketing. PNG is a very marketing-driven organization. Uh, yeah. And I thought, why don't I go and get a business education? I was a very much an engineer. So I went to Harvard Business School, which again was a transformational experience for me. I was very much an engineer. Um, and, you know, Harvard Business School just opened my eyes to so many things. But the most importantly, what it opened my eyes to was, it is not about my analytical skills. It's about softer skills that matter. It's about asking the right questions, not having all the right answers. Mm. It's about what, you know, in our classrooms, you know, it is all case discussion. There is no lectures. Um, and it is fascinating. You know, till then I had been in classrooms where <laughs> everybody had background in science and math, right? Um, yes. All of a sudden in Harvard Business School, you have people with background in liberal arts, people who are doctors, people who are yeah. in army, people who are in film, in entertainment. You know, it's like all sorts of background. And we had people from 75 different countries. Um, wow. And it is fascinating, Jono, when somebody asks a question, people based on their background will have a different perspective. And it just opened my eyes on you don't always have the right answer. And having diversity of thought is so important because mm. same issue, but people can have different views based on, you know, what your background is, what your experience is, right? And, um, and that really taught me a very important lesson in leadership, which is about ensuring that you get diverse viewpoints before you arrive at a decision, especially 
if it's a high stakes decision, right? Mm. Uh, and don't assume that you know the right answer, right? Uh, and okay. as a leader, you have to focus on asking the right questions, not even if you know the answer, it is very mm-hmm. important to make sure you're focusing on asking the right questions. So again, Harvard Business School was a great experience for me, at least for me, I felt it was a transformation experience. Uh, and then I would join Boston Consulting Group, great organization. And that was a continuation of my learning, problem mm. solving, how do you interact with, see how do you influence people, how do you, and I think that just was a great continuation. Uh, and then I joined Johnson & Johnson almost 14 years back uh, in yeah. our orthopedic division. And J&J is a great organization. I have I've really enjoyed my time. I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I have got here. Um, and I have gone through multiple commercial roles, different functions. You know, I've worked in different regions. Uh, and J&J just has been a great organization. I love the mission. Uh, you know, we, we strive to make a difference in lives of people around the world. You know, we are driven by our credo. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, our credo says that patients come first and shareholders come last, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you take care of the patients, employees and the community, shareholders come later, right? And I, and I think that's the right way to think about it, right? So yeah. uh, I think the, the value of the organization aligns, uh, the mission of the organization aligns. And, you know, here I am 14 years later and uh, uh, very, very grateful for all the opportunities I have got. So maybe a longer answer than you were expecting, Jono, but this has been my, this has been my journey. No, that was perfect. That was uh, a wonderful insight. And I really appreciated you sharing vulnerably around uh, your time when you were in that management role. <laughs> And that employee um, yeah. uh, spoke spoke up, and your manager sat you down. I, I think that was just a uh, yeah. I think there'll be a lot of leaders around uh, around the world listening to that, nodding, going yes. I remember when I had uh, something similar, either when I was the employee or when I was the manager, or when I had that aha moment of ah, okay. Uh, you know, for me, it was that I remember thinking that if I just did a if I just did my role really well, everyone would follow i actually just didn't realize there was this uh and how intentional a leader needs to be to actually grow their team to build into in the individuals that they're working with and like you said to build credibility and that for me i remember having a moment like that where i went ah okay <laughs> i don't know how to do this but i'd better learn how to do this because it's not it's not what i thought it was yeah you know there, there's a very famous saying and i don't know who said that but it says people don't care what you say till they know that you care, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's very telling, right? You know, unless people think that, you know, you care about, genuinely care about, and that does not mean you cannot hold them accountable. That does not mean you cannot have a difficult conversation. But unless people feel that you are coming from a position where, you know, you are genuinely care about them, you will never get, uh, you will never get the kind of, you know, uh, coordination and and teamwork and it becomes really hard to be a leader. Uh, so building credibility uh, is very very important. And being authentic, right, is very very yes. important. Let me ask you a question that came to mind when you were sharing your story, uh, and it's a simple it's a simple question, but you made this wonderful point around getting to know people, and it sounds so simple, but it it's so true. I couldn't agree more. And I'm just interested to know. You know, say there's a leader out there listening going, oh, this is something I really need to do better at. What are some practical ways that you've found as a leader to really get to know the people you lead? I know it sounds obvious, but I think a lot of us, you know, people are time poor. And, and what, are some, what are some practical ways to really get to know and help the people you're leading to get to know you as a leader? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. You know, first thing I I would say is when you are in a conversation, don't be distracted. So don't pick up your phone, right? Don't look at your text messages, right? Uh, So set your phone aside uh, if you're having a one-on-one conversation and put your undivided attention. That Mm. makes a difference, right? Uh, If you are distracted, if you're checking your phone, uh, it gives a signal that you are not really interested or you don't value that conversation. So that's one, right? I would say look into the eye. Uh, make an eye contact, uh, you know, the body language matters, you know, lean into the conversation, right? Uh, but then be curious. Uh, you know, I am I am a curious person by nature, you know, and I want to learn about people. I want to learn yes. about their journey, uh, learn about their experience, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you focus on that, people will warm up, right? 
yes. and 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 I think that is what I, I, I would advise is make sure that uh, you're not being distracted. You give you them the undivided attention, but then be curious about you know uh, where they grew up, what's you know what kind of journey they have been on, what drives them, what motivates them, and then share about yourself as well. Uh, if people ask the question, you know, what motivates you? Uh, if you're working with people, I think the questions I asked is, you know, what's the best way of uh, working? Are you a text person, a call person, email person? Um, I think genuine curiosity about learning about people uh, and ensuring that when you interact with them, they have their your undivided attention, uh, I think is very, very important. You know, people say about uh, ex-president Bill Clinton that when you speak with him, you get a feeling you are the most important person in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that leaves an impression because, you know, he gives, I, I, I've never met him, I've never interacted with him, but I'm just, you know, the things that I read and I'm assuming is because he probably focuses on you, you know, gives you the undivided attention, is curious, learns. And I think those are the things that we should think about, right? How do we make sure that we genuinely listen to what people have to say? So that is one thing I would say for leaders. And then, you know, be vulnerable, be authentic. You know, in, in this day and age, like we have been in Zoom calls over the last 18 months, right? Yeah. Uh, you get on a Zoom call and people can see your house. Be authentic. Uh, I think, you know, uh, we should talk about uh, challenges we face, right? Uh, and there is there is a power in being vulnerable. There's a power in being vulnerable. I think gone are the days when leaders have to be very, very strong when leaders have to have everything in control. We all know nobody does, right? Uh, but there's a <laughs> power in vulnerability saying, hey, you know what, I just could not fit. And because then it makes you more human. And when it makes you more human, it makes you more relatable. And that is what the team is looking for, right? You know, if if people think that, you know, I can't just relate to you, you are operating at a different level, you will never have that connection. So those are the things I would highlight you. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of being human and that people want relatable. They want connection. I think something that comes to mind for me is uh, something I read in a book around uh, how to be present. And I, and I love how you mentioned that because I think being present is, is uh, it, it, speaks, it speaks so much to the value of the person you're meeting with. And something really simple, which I know gets talked about a lot when it comes to mental health and mindfulness but being present is it can be really helpful to just stop. And when you're having that conversation and you've got 20 things going around in your head that you need to do or coming up appointments is, is just to be aware of your senses. Um, and it sounds, it sounds silly, but I've found it so helpful for me if I'm sitting in a one-on-one -on -one, to think about what I, what I can hear and to focus on not just a person's voice, but think about uh, what I can feel. Um, <laughs> think about like, there's something about stopping and focusing on your senses that is really helpful in my experience for being present and being because then then you're able to embrace that moment and that sounds I love that you mentioned that because I really do believe um, we're so it's so easy to be thinking about twenty other things rather than being present with the person where we're meeting with as a leader and I think that does say so much to the person if you can be present like you said I've heard that that same. Um, uh, sort of anecdote about Bill Clinton and and wow it's amazing that so many it must be I think you're right I think it's just the presence that he he gives them the, his full attention which I think to a lot of us is something we can grow in absolutely absolutely uh, so for you one of the things um, one of the things I guess I, I I'm interested in as you look back at your time you already shared this moment about when you were a manager um, and you had that sort of wake-up call. Are there any other moments, specific moments in your career, maybe your time at Harvard in your studies or maybe your time in India in your studies or at Procter & Gamble, Boston Consulting Group, are there any specific moments uh, that also come to mind that really shaped you to become who you are today? You know, I think I have been very very grateful, I would say, with all the experiences I have had. I think, you know, going to boarding school uh, shaped me, has shaped my personality. As I said, you know, it has helped me uh, understand the value of collaboration. It has helped me understand that you cannot alienate people and uh, and be, you know, get, get things done, right? You have mm. to find a way to work with others. And I couldn't have survived in a boarding school if I didn't get along with others, right? 
yes. um, and get along with others who might be different. You have to find common ground, right? So I think that has been an experience, you know, as an immigrant coming to the US, you know, as a student, it's very limited income, right? Uh, and US is an amazing country. I think it's truly a melting pot where, uh, you know, I came and I, I feel like I have, you know, never for a day I have felt that I was not born here. I'm a U.S. citizen now and I worked hard and I did the right thing. Um, and, you know, working in the at PNG in my first role taught me important lessons in reaching out, um, you know, connecting with people, respecting people. Um, Harvard Business School, again, was a great experience. Uh, I think it teach, taught me the value of diversity, but taught me the value of softer skills, right? You know, mm. early in your career, uh, hard skills might help you if I'm an engineer, if I'm a very smart engineer. But as you become senior, it is not about having the right answers. It is not about being the smartest guy in the room. Mm. It is about who can lead people, who can bring the best out of others, right? You know, as they say, and I think this saying resonates very strongly with me. If you are with a manager, you might feel that they are the smartest people in the world. But if you are with a leader, you will feel you are the smartest person in the world, right? And I think oh. it's about how you make people feel in your presence, right? You know, do they feel like they can achieve more? A leader is somebody who can who enables people to achieve more than they think they can achieve, right? And that's the example of a great leadership, right? So um, again, how I learned softer skills in Harvard Business School. Uh, you know, Boston Consulting Group taught me importance of problem solving. How do you how do you influence? Uh, because you know you work with senior senior corporate leaders, um, and then GNG has been just you know I have been very blessed with some of the opportunities I have got. I have worked in different regions, worked in different functions, um, and you know one of the things I have valued is that I am very curious person. You know I want to learn new things. Um, you know I, you know as you can <laughs> see I have been to too many colleges. Um, I have done. I always raise my hand for something which is. Uh, which is new and different because I feel like, you know, that will challenge me and, and that will help me grow. Uh, and I've been very grateful with all the opportunities I've had at J&J, but I've had the opportunity to do different things and learn and grow myself, right? So, uh, look, you know, I have led a business where we were going through a very difficult time. The business was declining. We were facing some external challenges. And, uh, and that has taught me, uh, you know, as a leader, when the business is not doing well, how you show up matters, Right. If I show up and I am really down, it's going to drag the whole team down. How do you mm. show up with the right level of energy? How do you, you know, uh, you have to be transparent. You can't lie and say everything is fine. You've got to be transparent, but uh, you also have to be optimistic that, look, you know, if you do this, this and this, we will, we will get through this. Uh, so I think that has been a very, very important lesson. Um, you know, different roles teach you different things, uh, but I would say, just you know grateful for the journey i have had so far yeah absolutely no i appreciate you um you sharing that and i i, I think uh, i've really enjoyed learning a little bit about your about your story uh so when it comes to i, I guess for you as a as a leader when it comes to culture and diversity i <laughs> i still am uh, just thinking back to you in this um town in was it georgia um that was, Georgia, I yeah. just can't think of a more, I just can't think of them. Uh, that must have been, been just <laughs> such a, <laughs> such a formative experience. And, and so coming out of experiences like that and, and then through things like your, your time at Harvard, what, what have you learned about culture and diversity? Once again, particularly for leaders out there who go, oh, wow, it, it isn't even on my radar. Where can I start? Like, how do I, how do I do this better in terms of maybe embracing diversity that is on my team, leaning into that, um, building a culture of diversity for me and my organization? What would your advice be? Well, you know, it starts with first realizing the value of diversity, right? And if I think about diversity, I think about diversity of thought, right? Uh, people who bring different perspectives to the table. I have mm. seen that in action. At, I have seen that in action. And I have seen that when... You have a conversation around a topic with people who come from different perspectives. You always end up with a better solution. Yeah. So the first, it starts with realizing that, look, diversity is the right thing because it leads to better outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and diversity starts with, you know, curiosity is important. You have to respect differences, right? Uh, and, yes. and you have to be comfortable with that. 
you have to be comfortable with that right uh and uh you know we all grow with some preconceived notions right? i think you have to dispel that uh, so i think you know being open being curious um but it starts with making sure that you see the value of diversity and then you have to make an effort at it right uh, yes once you realize that look diversity is important you got to think about okay what kind of diversity i want and then you will have to make an effort uh, you know if you want to hire x type of people you got to find out where they are which schools they go to right um, yes. but i think if if you are a leader in an organization uh, and if you if you if you don't see the value in diversity i would say you know that is something to think through uh, because i truly feel uh, that creating an environment you know where people bring diverse perspectives is a mm. richer environment is a better environment that leads to better outcomes and leaders have to be intentional you have to be intentional to be able to create a diverse culture to be able to create a diverse workforce um and and and, and that is important right you know if everybody thinks along the same way um it 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 leads to a suboptimal outcome i agree i agree um, and i think you've yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head i i, I agree completely um it does leave it does lead to better outcomes and it's worth investing in for, for leaders um, 100%. Um, what about uh, yeah. when it comes to, to building culture in a team and I really love your focus on, in, on asking mm -hmm. questions and investing in people. Are there any, are there any things that you found particularly helpful? Um, any questions that you tend to come back to a lot when you're with a, with a team? Um, also, I, I'm throwing a few different questions at you here, I know, but um, to do that, you have to have the space to meet with your team. So I'm interested to know how you how you do that. How often do you meet with your with your team? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, uh, culture. When I think about culture, you know, culture for me is how things get done in an organization, how information flows in an organization. You know, who gets rewarded, who gets promoted. These are mm. the elements of what defines a culture, right? Uh, and a leader hence plays a very important role. If you are in a meeting, are you just listening to one person or are you seeking out perspectives from everyone, right? Yes. If you are in a meeting and somebody has a different viewpoint, do you shut them down or do you listen to them? If you are in a meeting and you said something and a data shows something different, are you willing to say, you know what, uh, you know, I, I was wrong there or you know what, my thinking has evolved. Are you able to, you know, so the, the actions of a leader sets the tone sets the culture right you know whom are you who are the people who are getting promoted so i think uh, a leader plays i think a very important role in shaping the culture of an organization and hence as a leader one has to have the responsibility and discipline on how you interact what you say uh, all these things get people notice right so uh, yes. i think you know for me that those are the foundations of culture and i feel a leadership has an outsized impact on how you create a culture in an organization. Um, yeah, I agree. Then your question was, yeah, and, and I, I'm sorry, I, I lost track of your question, Jonah. What was the next question? Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to know what you've, I guess, after all these years of leading different teams, what does your meeting schedule look like? How often do you meet one-on-one? -on -one? Sure. How often do you meet in the team? I think a lot of leaders uh, are often wrestling with that and, and, and how to do that well in the team. What, what sort of... Uh, what sort of principles or, or what sort of frameworks do you use around that? Yeah, you know, I I, I believe in more touch points. So I do two things, Jonah. So one is with my extended team. So I have a one hour check-in. So, you know, no agenda, no preparation. It's just check-in. How did the week go? Anything we need to keep in mind for what's, you know, for the upcoming week? Are there yeah. any quick updates? So I get my cross-functional team together for an hour on a Friday morning. Uh, so informal check-in, right? We share updates. We talk. You don't. Nobody needs to come prepared for that. You just need to show up for the meeting. Um, yeah. And then I try to do a regular one-on-one with my direct reports uh, and and some of the key stakeholders. The frequency mm -hmm. of that depends. Sometimes it is you know once a week. Sometimes it is twice a week. Uh, but again, you don't want it to be too frequent as well because you run out of things to talk about, right? Uh, yeah. But I think with the direct reports, at, 
it should at least be once a month, if not once in two weeks, right? Uh, yes. And I feel that, you know, creating that space, uh, even if it is half an hour, uh, I think it is important. Uh, so, so th- those are the those are the touch points that uh, that I have, you know, with my with my direct team and with my broader team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I think that's brilliant. And I think a lot of people underestimate how doing that sort of um, that weekly one hour without an agenda can be. It's easy to it's easy for some people to go, oh, it's not that important. We need to actually do X, Y, or Z instead. And it's like. Well, actually, that check-in is it. It actually stops so many problems. It provides solutions uh, so often, and it, I know it sounds simple, but I see so many leaders who one of the quickest one of the things that they let go of uh, too quickly is their is they they don't prioritize the time they spend in in teams and one on one, and it's it's from a good heart. It's because we've all been in terrible meetings that have been really unhelpful. But uh, I love your intentionality around that. And, and I'm a big believer in um, having those spaces where you don't have an agenda, where you're able to really as a team just check in with each other. Um, and, uh, and so that, that was great. Thanks for sharing that. What about work-life balance? What does that look like for you? How do you manage a role like the role you're in uh, with you know, uh, the rest of your life? What are your thoughts on that, Richie? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, you know, uh, work-life balance. I think uh, it is. I'll be very honest. It is. It is challenging. It is not easy. Uh, and you know, my wife works as well. She is a professor in uh, one of the universities in the Boston area, and she has a you know a very successful career on her own. Um, yes. We have two kids, uh, and uh, it is hard. Uh, and it is harder. You know, my kids are a little bit older now. They are fifteen and ten. So. But when they were young, uh, you know, it was really, really difficult. Um, I think it starts with, I would say, a couple of things, right? So one is mm. uh, you have, depending upon the life stage, you have to, you know, make sure that you are uh, setting boundaries, right? What you will compromise, what you will not compromise, right? Like an yes. example could be. And like one thing I've always liked about j and is that they they work with you. So if I say that, look, from three to five every afternoon and i'm just giving an example uh, yeah. i have to be home to take care of my kids but i'll get the work done after five uh, i think there's an organizational flexibility to enable that right? and that helps so setting your boundaries and saying hey i can travel but you know what uh, i cannot travel on thursdays for whatever yes. reason my son has a soccer game but so i think it starts with setting the boundaries uh, it starts with you know Making sure that you know people have you work with your spouse or your partner in in in, in terms of how do you support each other uh, uh, and you know making sure that you know you are there for them and they are there for you but you're also working together on how do you um, how do you raise your kids uh, also tapping into the uh, you know it takes a village to raise a kid as they say right you know um, yes. so we we have tapped into uh, support structure whether family friends or you know daycare and things like that but. Look, yes. you know, work-life balance, uh, I think, you know, is, uh, I'm not sure there is always a balance. There are sometimes you, you ultimately you find that balance, but I think you have to be intentional. It is not easy, um, especially when the kids are young. Uh, but, you know, for people who are listening, it is doable, right? Uh, I yeah. think you have to just set boundaries. You have to be disciplined. You have to be intentional. Uh, and, uh it is hard, but it is it is manageable. Yeah, yeah that's um, that's really well that's really well put. And I think uh, sometimes we need to have we need to uh, be a bit more realistic with our expectations that it's not always going to be this perfect balance. But there are going to be seasons where it's uh, where it's challenging, and combine that, like Correct. I said, with some with some great boundaries. Uh, I'm reminded of my one of my favorite stories I've ever heard around this topic. Uh, which just came came to mind as we're chatting about this, and and you talked about uh, doing family and 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 uh, you know maybe saying I can travel but not on Thursdays because uh, you know my my son has a soccer match. Or um, I remember hearing a story from uh, about Stephen Covey who wrote the Seven Habits of of uh, the Seven Habits yeah. of Highly Effective People, and it was a story from one of his daughters uh, from when she was growing up, and he took her on a work trip and said. You know what? I, I've got this one. Um, 
I've got this uh, this one sort of speaking engagement, and then after that we're going to go out for ice cream. And you know, she was she was pretty little. I think maybe sort of uh, around ten, I, th I think, from memory. And so they they're at this conference. Uh, Stephen speaks, and as they're on their way out, um, he runs into you know uh, as he's out on his way out of the conference, runs into this this person who. Um, and, uh, and some other colleagues from this organization that would have been a really big fish, you know, it could have been a really great, or it, it just, uh, she, she reflects going, you know, it, it was obvious that this could have been a really great opportunity for, for her dad. And so she just thought, mm. she just assumed, oh, no, um, we're probably, because they said, you should, you know, why don't you and your daughter come and join us for dinner? And, you know, since you're in the area, and she thought, oh, well, that's probably what we'll be doing. But he said to them, he said, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't, I've already got a, We've already got a, um, you know, we're, we've got a daddy-daughter date sort of booked. We're going to go and get ice cream, and, and so I need to go and do that. <laughs> and I just remember her telling that story as such a great example of, um, of, of having those clear boundaries. And I'm sure he wasn't doing that every day, right? <laughs> but it was the fact that he was intentional, and, when he, and he made this intentional decision, and, and there was a trade-off, and he said no to going out with this. Uh, with, with these guys, but it was interesting that his daughter remembered that uh, decades later, um, and it was something she reflected on. I think actually around the time that he passed away. Um, so yeah, and, and, yeah. and you know, and 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 kids remember things, right? Uh, and that is so important uh, to find time to spend time with kids because they notice little things, right? Uh, so I think you know, uh, it's you know, we all learn, right? But uh, but what he did was the right thing, right? And his daughter remembers and she will remember it for the rest of her life, right? And and that sent a message that, look, no matter what, you are the most important, right? Yes. Which is how yes. it should be. Kids are the most important, right? But these are these little moments that really makes a big impression and we all need to be very intentional about it. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Uh, I also appreciate how you've talked about authentic leadership. What is What does it look like to be an authentic leader and what what is authentic leadership to you Regine? yeah you know it is about being your true self but I'll, I'll give you an example June, right uh, when i came to the us i i you know i i tried fitting in and when i say fitting in i was trying to be like others right uh, so yeah. i you know i grew up in india i love cricket right i love ball. yes uh, but when I will be with colleagues, I will pretend that I like American football or I like, you know, Hollywood movies. And I very quickly realized that I was just not being myself, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, in, and now, you know, I, if when people say, you know, what sports do you follow? I say, look, I love cricket. You know, and I, you know, I, I see American football and my son, you know, my kids have grown up here. They're obviously big fan, right? Uh, yes. But my love is still cricket, you know. Uh, I mean, that's the game that I love, right? I love Bollywood movies. And, um, yeah. So I think I have now come to a point where I am more comfortable being, sharing with people who I am. And, and, and what I have seen is that people receive that better than me trying to pretend to be who I am not, right? Mm. Um, so sometimes we walk into a room and we try to be different than who we are because we are trying to blend in. Right. And, and there yes. is something about trying to fit in. I, I think there's a value to that. Mm. Uh, but if you are in a place where who you are is not welcome, is not acceptable, then you are in the wrong place. Right. So I think authenticity is about, you know, being yourself. Right. Uh, yes. Being vulnerable, being open, uh, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I think that is important. And I feel leaders who pretend to be who they are not uh, are are not, you know, they they would not be happy with themselves and that manifests in the way they react and interact with the team, right? So I think being open to who you are, and look, there could be places where you go and talk and you feel like you are not welcome just because of who you are. You are just in the wrong place. Find some other place, right? But, uh, mm. but I think authenticity is just being yourself and being comfortable with who you are. Uh, but more importantly, in a workplace, finding a workplace where you are welcome, Right, who you are is is welcome and celebrated. Right, so I think that's that's what authenticity authenticity is for me, um, and some of that comes with you know I have some gray hairs now, Jonah. Right, and I think it uh, that's how you learn through that experience where I'm I'm more comfortable being who I am, 
Um, yeah. Then I was say maybe 15 years back when I was trying to pretend to be who I was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great, Rajit. I really like how you said that, and um, also can't help but just uh, just echo the love for cricket as an Australian. I'm. Uh, I was uh, this morning just. Well, congratulations. Yeah, for the game right. last night. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> was, uh, I actually watched the game live. I was oh, watching it live. Really? I, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought you guys were going to lose, but then Matthew Wade was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, uh, I was and so Mark happy Stone for him. They're unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, all the best for the finals, you know. All the best for the finals. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for those who don't follow cricket, if you want to. Um, uh, get a little taste of it. Look up the uh, the highlights of uh, Australia uh, versus Pakistan. That's what Pakistan. just happened overnight. We're talking about in the 2020 World Cup. In uh, yeah, it was um, uh, the T20 World Cup. Yes, um, but it's it's yeah, it's it, it's so true about just being <laughs> being being authentic. I think um, one of my favourite. One of my favourite ideas that's a, that I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, but it's a bit of an exaggeration, but I think there's a lot of truth in it, is uh, is this idea that the best the best leader in the room is this is the is the silliest person in the room, and uh, it sounds like a strange thought, but the 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 thinking behind it is that when you meet great leaders, you there's something that they have in common, which is they don't mind, they're not afraid to look silly. They're not so profoundly worried about um, fitting in, like you said. And I think that's why it's an exaggeration. Obviously, the best the best leaders aren't dressing up as clowns everywhere. But um, there is something really profound about being willing to ask a silly question and being willing to to say in a in a in a culture where um, everyone loves American football um, and and to be the one that stands out and say, you know what, for me. My love is cricket. I just I grew up loving cricket. I love it. That's that's what I love, and I think from that's definitely been very true for me. The more I've embraced not worrying um, about looking silly and just being myself, the better I've been able to connect with others, and uh, and and I think it's really helped me in my leadership as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we as we uh, as we wrap up now, did you have any final thoughts that you want to give listeners, Rajiv? No, look, you know, I, I, have, I have really enjoy, enjoyed this conversation, Jono, you know, as, as I mentioned to you at the beginning of our conversation, you know, this is an area of passion and interest for me. Uh, you know, one of my business school professors, uh, he, he said something that has always stuck with me. Uh, two things, right? So one he said was, as a manager, you have responsibility. Uh, and the mm. point he was making is if somebody on your team, you don't treat them well, they don't feel respected. When they mm. go home, they will inevitably snap at their partner or their kids, right? If you don't treat yeah. people well, you're not only making one person unhappy, you're making the whole family unhappy, right? Um, mm. And just think about if you have 10 people, 15 people working for you now, how you behave, how you act impacts happiness of 60 people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the bigger your yeah. team, the larger the impact you have, right? So leadership yeah. is a responsibility. Uh, and how you treat people, you know, as a leader, if, you know, if I run into somebody and I don't say hello to them, even if I don't mean, I might be caught in my own thoughts uh, or a leader okay. might be caught in their own thoughts. People will be like, oh my God, what did I do, right? You know, so being intentional, uh, making sure that you know you treat people with respect is so so important so as a leader one has a big responsibility and the other thing was when you interact with somebody uh, the definition of was that a good interaction is when both people walk away feeling good about themselves you know, yeah. and that does not mean you cannot have a difficult conversation you can have a difficult conversation but throughout that people should feel that they are being valued and they are being respected so i think you know leadership i think is a privilege uh, but it comes mm -hmm. with significant responsibility. Uh, and uh, as leaders, you make big impact in life's happiness, career of people and their families as well. Uh, and once you see that through that lens, uh, you know, you, you just need to make sure that, you know, uh, you take that responsibility seriously. So uh, I am glad you're doing this, Jono, I think, uh, and and 
spreading the word about you know what what good leadership looks like uh but yeah i think th- those were the things that i wanted to mention yeah that's a wonderful wonderful way to to wrap up thank you rajit well um thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in and i really believe i i've, I've just thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation as we've talked about authentic leadership uh we've talked about diversity i think um uh, Rajit shared some stories that are just, uh, yeah, uh, just incredible and, and, and vulnerable. And, and I think uh, I think I know that our listeners will have gotten a lot of, out of that. So thank you for listening. And uh, and also a big thank you again uh, to Rajit Kamal. Thank you again, Rajit, for coming on the podcast. You know, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation and all the best with the finals on Sunday for the T20 World Cup. <laughs> Yeah. I'll... Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Thanks for seeing. Yeah, all right. You too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even if You Hate Conflict. 
I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.